Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that didn't spend $4.9 billion buying a bank this week. Well, I didn't anyway. Andrew Page from strawman.com. Did you buy a bank this week? Mate, I don't invest in industries that are about to be disrupted. You know that. So, no. (laughs) You know what I love? There is never, ever a tangential break in this podcast. There might be lots of tangents, but the general through lines, as the cool kids say, they are eternal. And I'm I'm very... (laughs) Please, that uh, you didn't. I'll always find a way. I'll always find a way. You will always find a way. By the way, I did get a question uh, asking you to rant on property this week, which we might cover on Sunday. And I just said, for, just for something different. <laughs> well, I just say the, the question, man, you really hate me, don't you? And he said, well, property and Bitcoin. What else could I ask about? So there, there was that. There was that. Mate, how's your week been? A uh, busy, a busy week. Earnings um, season. Earning season. Um, just a bunch of other stuff going on with me as well at the moment. So yeah, it's 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 sort of like. Um, Trying to keep their head above water, but good. Good, Mate, good. I, I can't complain. I believe you reopened strawman.com last week. In fact, we talked about we that. We did. You got yeah, some new members in the door, I sent. We did. We, we, got, we got a bunch, really. So nice. it's well it's really, really exciting. And um, yeah, welcome aboard if you're if you're a new member. Great Shout to Shout out to us. the new straw, straw people. Is that is that the collective noun for that's, strawman members? That's what we tend to use, yeah. Wait, Andrew, I, I am curious. I'm just going to wind we'll you up now for fun. Why strawman? Why not straw person? What, what, what have you got against the, the, the women in our business? What, what, what is that about? I think I've said this before on the pod. Like it was back back when this was just an idea and a napkin. Um, I thought straw man was cool because you know I wanted this place where people could like post ideas, but also like challenge them. Um, the, the idea being the best way to improve a, an investment idea is to, is to challenge it. Rah rah rah. And I thought straw man was kind of cool. It was a bit techy. You know, it was a bit vague. Yeah, like, yeah, what is yeah. what does that refer? You know what I mean? And and. Anyway, I liked it, and then I've since always regretted it because it does. <laughs> it's not quite the logical fallacy definition, right, right, right. and uh, and it's it's like very not obviously something to do with investing and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, but then you know, like once once it's sort of been the die is cast, has totally been cast. Right. Oh, so it's like speak, Google, so. right? Google's a stupid name until everyone uses a verb, and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's a, that's that's a good name. Of course, perfect name. Why would you call that it was, Google? You know, that was my argument in the day. Say like Uber, like Uber <laughs> makes sense. You know, Yahoo, are you? kidding me uh, with an exclamation mark thank you very much yeah exactly exactly very, so very yeah that, that's that's the origin story well there you go g'day straw people who have joined straw man most recently uh, i'm sure you'll look after them mate i'm sure they will get massive amounts of value from their membership uh membership of a private online investment club i'm, I'm uh, you got it or was it yep. premier online investment have you have you have you solved that riddle yet no no we, either or either or either or i like it see that's the that's the sort of you know you're not stuck in the mud you're agile you're, you're lean it's all it's all very new tech mate i like it you, you did, there are too many vowels in it though we've been through iterations of this there's you either had to have no capital letters or no vowels you know strwmn yes. would have been the the cool thing about five years ago i'm not sure what the yep. new naming convention will be but uh i'm not sure i'm not sure how to respond to that one the a lot of the cool sites these days the it's the domain uh suffix that oh, like yes, the dot, dot io or dot xyz or oh, dot i've got to love them Dot, dot com is, you know, it's a bit passe now. So there's a lot of options. Isn't that, so Google, oh, she hasn't Google, Alphabet, the parent company, I think their, their official corporate domain is ABC.xyz from memory, I think. Oh, you might be right. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure about that. But yes, there's all those dot, something, uh, my, my Australian, I'm with the Australian Mutual Bank, it's Australian Mutual dot bank, I think. Uh, so there's plenty of, plenty of that sort of stuff going. Can we see, Can is, I- there a dot, is there a dot straw man domain in our, in our future? 
So very early, early quick tangent, mm. um, and I'm going to screw this up completely, but it is a fascinating story about sort of domain name standardization yeah, and the yeah. rest of it. You're old enough to remember. I know you are because I'm the same age. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Back in the back at the turn of the century, mm. one of the real sort of uh, gold rushes was for domain names. People would go on, and and you would, you know, was it go even was I didn't think it was GoDaddy, no, but whatever. GoDaddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I forget, I'm drawing a blank, but people, ordinary mm-hmm, people, mm-hmm. were running up and buying Scott.com yep, because, yep. and and then you could sell it to someone else. Cyber who really squatting. wanted. Yeah, I had speaking of strawman.com. I had I don't think I paid a thousand bucks for that there back in go. the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, the you know because there was you, you the way that the the way that the, the protocol works is you can only have you know it's got to be a there can only be one Apple.com right you can't mm-hmm. lead to multiple addresses and the rest of it. Yep. And everyone wanted .com. And in fact- That's right. Uh, yeah. You, the US is the only country that has .com. I know. Because it was the, everywhere else had like, you know, uh, New Zealand's .nz, where yeah, .au, yeah. The, you know. Um, uh, but anyway, they, they, there has been changes to that where that now you can have different- you, hmm. By having a different dot .whatever at the end of it, you significantly broaden the possibility. So- I haven't I haven't done the analysis on it, but I would suggest that a lot of people buying domain names, while there are some exceptional crazy stories out there of people mm-hmm. making a fortune off them, for most part it's been a terrible investment. Yeah, it's um it's incredible. There were some millionaires made by the cyber squatting. If you got if you got it right, if you if you really lucked out, you did yeah. very nicely. There's someone I can't remember his name, it's in the back of my brain somewhere, who made made a million in well, more than a million dollars based on basically cyber squatting that sort of stuff. He's yep. had the right domain, sold at the right people at the right times and made a lot of money. Yep. Um Wow. So before let's get back on track. Before I do, though, for all the talk about straw man, I work for a company called The Motley Fool. So you know. Oh yeah, we should mention. I, I'm, that. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. in a very small glass house, throwing throwing very large rocks when I talk about company names. Let's be let's be very honest. The number of times I had to explain what that is, uh, even even recently, like this is the business is 30 years old in the US. We're 13 years old here, and still explaining what Motley Fool is and where it came from. So there is there's I, always. I love when I was there. It was always uh, you'd often get the the Motley Crew like things like, <laughs> which is a much better reference in a lot of ways. Like if you want to. Be associated with something so cool but yeah yeah very uh, sh- shout out by the way to Fauzi Ibrahim uh the now ABC uh journal who used to work on Sky Biz who actually introduced me to Scott Phillips from the Motley crew of live on Sky uh, Biz back brilliant. in the day that see was what fantastic. I mean it, it was, was, just, totally, it was totally. always a very easy <laughs> slip to make it <laughs> very very simple hey um, yeah, hey, a lot of people go watching on. going wow the band has not aged well <laughs> <laughs> Hey, be nice. By the Sorry. way, don't don't, don't don't think I don't know why you said we're at the same age. So people look both our photos like, wow, one of those really really well. It's always good to have a it's good to have a low low uh, low uh, active follower, easy active follow. You've just done the comparison job of like we're about the same age. How about that? <laughs> oh, he looks old, doesn't he? Anyway, I've just got a very good toupee guy. That's all. I did. I did get some grief on Twitter yesterday about my lack of follically. Oh really? Uh, oh, follically, follically play, playing the man and not the ball. Hey? Oh, it was it was funny. Yeah, just just I made some points. I went, oh, you got a wig. And so I kind of played like, said, "Why is that?" He sent a photo of the photo of me back at back to myself, like, "Yeah, I'm not sure why." Just just playing along because he just he just you know not not quite the zinger they were. It really for, was. Maybe. It was very very yeah. fun. It's like, like it was like the fool thing, right? When he was in Motley Fool, ah, oh, fool, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, dude, I've been here for a long time. You, I, can I tell you, you are not the thousand and first person to have used that one. It's, it's okay, I get it, uh, but the zinger it is not. Let's let's move on, mate. Um, let's start with the macro wages. We're out this week for yeah. the year to December. Wages were up 4.2%. Average ordinary time wages up 4.2%. Inflation, no one will, uh, well, everyone remember this one, 4.1%. That extra 0.1%, the first time in three years. Real wages, that is 
the money you get less the inflation that you're getting slugged with the first time in three years that wages have grown faster than inflation something of a um something of a marquee point i think to arrive at an inflection point or a crossover point mate doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's gonna happen forever doesn't mean it'll keep happening necessarily but after three years um kind of nice to be <laughs> earning, earning a couple of cents more than we're paying out yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you know me. I'm going to take the glass half empty. Uh, <laughs> you really, here. really are. Uh, you know I am, so I'm going to do it. Go on. And look, it's good, right? So the lines on the chart are, are moving in the right direction. Yep. But this is a the trailing 12 month period. When you look, sort of, I think an, an, a reasonable starting point is probably pre-pandemic, before the world just yes, went pear shaped. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right? <laughs> the before times. Um, yeah. And and so it's a question of context. It's a question of perspective. And so two things can be true at the same time in the sense that over the last year, we kept up and exceeded inflation, but also over the last three to four years, no, not even close. Um, so so what I'm saying is with the charts moving in the right direction or the lines moving in the right direction, it's great, but we want to yeah. see if we want to get back to the same purchasing right. power, the amount of hours I had to work mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. a Big Mac, for example, yep. for that to get back to where it was four years ago, we yep. need to see those, we need to see that wages growth figures stay above uh, inflation for a while. And again, it's I don't, my other point, not to be, not just make it a negative point as, as uh, at all, yeah, but yeah. just to make the, make the point is that these are within that you've got the investment banker who got a 200k pay right, rise yes, correct, correct. and you've got you know the I don't know the brickie who's gotten a pay cut for 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 example you've got someone who has a very different CP, personal CPI basket you know which the average doesn't catch so it's all it's all a very messy and necessarily messy thing yeah. but I just make I just make the point because often when you talk about this people always personalize it which is natural mm-hmm. we all totally. do it so what are you talking about i've yeah. gone backwards you yeah. know i've how, got a pay how, rise or i'm paying 20 percent more for insurance oh yeah exactly yeah all these idiots in the media saying that we don't need to worry because what you know or or on the other hand actually i've never i've never had it better i don't yeah. know what people are right exactly about. yeah yeah, yeah. You know? how can so, it possibly be yeah so yeah, yeah. What, what do you think what do you make of it so the other thing mate oh well uh, i mean <laughs> this is I've said so many times, mostly on a couple of times on the podcast, I'm sure, mostly on radio and TV when I've done it. It's a really weird time to be giving commentary on this sort of stuff because good is bad and bad is good, right? Yep. Economic growth is really strong. Oh, man, that means the RBA is going to put, put rates up. You know, it's, it's, uh, if inflation is coming down, well, if it comes down too fast, then it means the economy is... It's all, it's all that stuff where you kind of, you know, in a normal cycle, or normal parts of a cycle, and because we haven't done it for 30-odd years, we haven't had a proper economic cycle with a recession for 30 years, a proper one anyway, excluding the COVID one, you kind of lose... It, it's, it's a really weird scenario. So yeah. it's, speaking of the glass half full and empty, let me do both. Um, great that wages, average wages are increasing faster. And you're right, there's not everybody, but I'd rather the average higher than lower in, terms of, yes. in that sense, because at least that suggests Under, yep. more people Moving more Moving in often. the right direction. Right, yep. most of the money yep. is going towards uh, you know, better off than inflation. So that's great. The flip side, of course, is that while, while ever any cost item, energy, fuel, food, wages, is higher than the inflation rate, then it becomes something that drags inflation higher over time. And I'm not a wage price spiral kind of guy necessarily, but there is a that just that really like the, the, the tin tax. The, the, the real facts are, if wages stay higher than inflation, they are going to continue to drag inflation upwards, and more so in areas where we have personal services. Think about the hairdresser, the physiotherapist, the nurse, the whatever. When when the, when the major input is the wage, and the wage is growing faster than the average price the business owner is going to be more inclined to put prices up than not, all things being equal. And so that's yep. just a, there's just a, there's a reality that I think we need to probably 
be mindful of. Now, the missing link is productivity, of course, because how we increase living standards over time is we get to buy more stuff. Now, if the stuff goes up as fast as the wage goes up, we don't get to buy more stuff. We just have this you know, rising tide where I get paid double, everything costs double, so I don't really win. Unless I get paid double, the stuff doesn't go up because I'm more productive. I can use more widgets per hour. Uh, or, or I can add more value than the increase in my wage. That is, that has been the story of the 19th and 20th centuries, 21st century so far, mostly. Productivity has been the answer. That is the only way you can increase living standards outside a bit of inflation, a bit of uh, population growth. That's literally how these things in- improve faster than the cost of providing them. Is is when you produce more with the same, or more with less, or whatever combination of that you like. Mm. So I guess my my so what out of all this is probably. Unless we want this to be a cycle, again, I don't want to do wage price spiral or whatever. That's you know, there's there's a lot of pejorative in that. But the simple reality is, like with the RBA across the board on prices, if prices keep going up, then costs keep going up. So prices go up, so costs go up, so prices go up. That's kind of the way these cycles work. And returning it to some sort of normality means doing it in such a way that the cost of producing the item, whatever it is, goes up less quickly, so we can keep prices from going up. Yeah. Uh, and that's the that's the only wrinkle on the wages data. Now, look, people are saying, oh, I've got a wage rise. About time I got one. My standard of living is going backwards. Those things are all absolutely true. The problem is from this point forward, unless you want it to keep getting worse, we have to solve that productivity nut in some form. Is it business's job? Kind of. Is it government's job? Kind of. Is it just society doing its thing? Kind of. Is it going to happen anyway? Because technology tends to march on, probably. Uh, but that is still the serious conversation outside the usual screaming and shouting and vested interests. That's yep. the that's the key question that now we've kind of hopefully cross fingers and you know God forbid hopefully we've cracked the inflation nut for good at least for for now uh, never for good let's um, not, you know, not get carried away right but yeah. if, we, you know, if it comes down and stays at, at a reasonable level for an extended period of time um, then the next thing's got to be right how do we make sure people can earn more money and that does come down to the productivity question you touched on some really interesting things there I'd I'd love to expand on it of course. Um, because it is, it, again, it's a very generalized kind of number. Mm-hmm. So the, the point, <laughs> uh, sort of like, I love, I love to try and sort of think things up through first principles. It just helps me sort of, I think, get a better understanding of things. And, and I think one of the epiphanies I've had in recent years is that technology is deflationary. Yes, all times really and everywhere yep, and yep, always. Yep. It's always true. And the, 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 the matter, analogy- <laughs> yeah, I bought a computer with... 128 meg of RAM for $3,000 30 years ago. Yep. The, the is, example I love is, is just like, we're on an island, I'm fishing with a spear. You invent a fishing rod, someone invents a net. Before we know it, we've got a trawler and we're hauling in, you know, 300 tons of tuna. And and we're doing it with like a, you right. know, a, a few a few uh, people on a boat. Um, it it creates more supply for the same level of input. So mm-hmm. this, is, this is just... A, for me, it's, it was always a, a strange realization because then you go, well, wait a second. <laughs> Prices have always gone up. Right. Yes. And, and we've never had a faster pace of technological. Like the last hundred years, I mean, yeah. we, we take it for granted because we're sort of living in the moment. But mm. when you sort of step back and look at human civilization, there's a very long flat line and then like a J curve, yeah. like bang. Yeah. 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 You know, industrial revolution and things have just been accelerating ever since. And not just prices, right? We're talking about productivity, output, technology. The, yep. the, the, the pace of human imp- the li- increase in living standards for the 20th century was I don't know these numbers mate but I would suspect something like the equivalent of 10 previous centuries like just just Dude, extraordinary 
I can buy a T-shirt for $2 after it's been made, shipped across the ocean, put (laughs) in a warehouse, driven to a shop, displayed by someone. Uh You know, like like, the supply chains that need to make that happen. And what's even the bigger mind blow is that that has happened in an inflationary environment. In in other words, if if you had a perfectly non-inflationary uh, monetary, I'm not going where you think of <laughs> monetary unit, you know, the price of the T-shirt yeah. would actually be right. 10 cents. Yes. 10 yeah, cents. Yeah. So, so where I'm going with this yeah. is that, so that's true for products. So we've just got mm-hmm. incredible machines that can make things these days. It's definitely true for anything in the digital realm. So, yes. you know, think of the value that I get out of Google, for example. But that's that's the, before. or Netflix, right? The, the, the Net- distribution yep. cost goes to zero. Yep. And so the ability to make a piece of content, distribute it endless number of times, Yep. The, 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 Anything the that can be dematerialized yep. right. any, yes. Yes. has been dematerialized, yes. right? And that's a trend that's just going to continue. And again, mm-hmm. not going where you think I'm going. Um, <laughs> the, the, what you cannot dematerialize and what you have yet to see any material technological enhancements to mm-hmm. is services. It, yes. Or if I'm a barista yes. or if I work at a, in a restaurant or, you know, uh, I'm cutting hair, uh, I, I'm a plumber. You know, yeah, I can have a slightly better wrench and the rest of it, but I mm. I can't, I, I'm not going to get the 10X boost that, that other technologies are, are going to give me. And so when you do, ha- so when we've had this inflation impulse, as the experts like to call mm-hmm. it, we all had these narratives around it. And I, and I feel as though the truth probably lied in a bit of an overlap of all of those. We had this big, ins- like 7% plus we got to in Australia. Actually, we get almost to eight and mm-hmm. it was it was huge. Yep. Why was that? Massive supply chain disruptions. Mm-hmm. Boats couldn't get around. There was less supply, prices went up. Mm-hmm. But in the, and, and that- A war, that, some government spending, throw all those the war, together. All yep. of that stuff, yep. right? All yep. that that happened. And that's that's what g- gave us a big push. Under the, under the surface though, we're still seeing this other form of services mm-hmm. inflation, right? So we've solved- this supply chain inflation yeah. uh, in, at the moment and prices have come down. Yep. But where it's proving more Inflation, sticky, I think- Inflation's come down, not prices. What did I say? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry. Oh <laughs> you normally like, you know make that point. I know. That is a very- <laughs> I'm so glad you picked me up on that. And you're the only one who's saying that. So I'd, I'd return the favor. Go on. Excellent clarification. So, so what you've yeah. got now is you have a situation where the underlying service-oriented inflation mm-hmm. is, is big because- when that when prices were all high, I demanded a higher salary. He's got nearly full employment. A lot of us were able to sort of get that. Yep. And then our prices go up. Now our prices going up is someone else's costs going Correct. up. Correct. Which is the spiral, right? right? That's exactly where the, the spiral comes from. Yeah. Which, which is the, which is the spiral. And in Australia, I believe. Correct me on this if I'm wrong, but our economy is seventy percent services based. Yeah. I don't know for one, sure, but I would. I, I believe it would be something like that. Uh, around two thirds. Like yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. ballpark it. Yep. And, and so this is my point. I, so people can say, oh, we won inflation. I was like, well, no, we won that part of inflation. The other part of inflation I, I think is actually here and, and going to be stickier. And and I think while we we have seen some success, again, this is all lag data with people managing to negotiate, again, at, at, in aggregate higher, higher wages, and that's now tipped above what the trailing inflation rate is. This is this is all really good, but there are still people. I can guarantee you right now there are plenty of people out there who would love a pay rise and have a pretty good argument to make for one. So so there is a there is an inertia to these things, which is why I come down on the side of I think while we are definitely past the peak, inflation is going to be stickier than 
than we perhaps would like it to be. It'll be a while before we're anywhere near two percent. Is is my my personal view? Even though we may continue mm. to sort of trend down a little bit, yeah. Um, but we'll see. I think stagflation. I, I, I was going to ask mm. you this actually. I was think that might be sort of. Uh, uh, a potential option the risk for the global economy. Um, yeah. do, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> no, no, well, no, no, in the sense that no one knows what's going to come next. But it's of course, risk, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, the, the potential I, for it, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think the next, well, the next couple of months will tell us if if we can take that inflation from four point one down to three point something. Uh, the Yanks are already down at three ish. Um, the Here's the other thing about stagflation, mate. It's not all that unusual, uncommon, or even unreasonable. As a, as a, <laughs> I know, I know, transitory has become this word that people have an allergic reaction to. But you know, we will, we will have slow economic growth because the RBA is slowing the economy. The central banks are slowing the economy to deal with inflation, mm-hmm. and there will be a crossover point, a bit like wages and inflation, where the economy is slowed or slowing because they're trying to deal with inflation. And at that point, inflation will probably still be too high and the economy will be probably slowly growing. And some people mm. will say, ha, ah, stagflation. Now, stagflation, the idea is it's stagnant and, it, and it's and it's some sort of extended period. We should so define we will stagflation. Go, just go yeah. so, so very quickly, just very anemic economic growth, if any, while there's persistent inflation. Correct. That's exactly what it so is. So worst of both worlds yeah. kind of thing. Stagnant economic activity and inflation, stagflation. Yeah. One, one of the earliest portmanteaus like Tomcat and... Benefer and all those kind of great things that we we uh, the economists were there first. People is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, I I don't know, mate. I, I don't think it's the most likely outcome because inflation seems to be coming down pretty quickly. We seem to have. Yeah, but my argument the- is that's the pro- that's a product led, and I think you see that when you look at the data. It's the services. Oh, totally. Yes, most- exactly. Totally, totally. Yeah. It may be enough, um, but you're right. The, I mean, this is the other thing, by the way. The RBA said. You know, people people saying at the beginning of this, why is the RBA raising rates? Inflation's all imported. Uh, what can they possibly do? And the answer was always nothing. They're trying to stop it becoming endemic in the Australian economy. That was always and ever the That's job true. they were trying to do. Now, frankly, they they moved too late. They probably didn't move fast enough. And we have had it become endemic-ish in the Australian economy. In that services, to exactly your point, mate, there is no imported services inflation by definition because yep. the services are provided here. There's, there's no sense of, you know, oh, accounting services went up in India, so now we're going to pay more for accounting services or, you know, gee, physiotherapists are getting paid a lot in, in you know, Chicago. No wonder physiotherapists are more expensive here. There, mm. there is no direct linkage, right? So I guess some people can move their labor around the world, but that's it's a theoretical reality. It's not, not actually going to happen. Mm. So, you know, the, the reality is that endemic nature of, of you know, we paid more for stuff so people wanted to get a pay rise and charge more for stuff. And that's mm. how you get endemic inflation. That's the, that is the spiral, um, not just wages, but just pr- the prices spiral, frankly. That, that's what yep. high, in, high ongoing inflation is. So that's, that's what they've been trying to do. Uh, I, would, I would suspect stagflation is less likely because of the rate of decline of inflation at the moment. But it's mm. by no means impossible because mm. we could stagnate at 4% for another 12 months. And yeah. in 12 months on, we could be talking about, in a worst case scenario, mate, a recession and 4% inflation. Yep. That, that would be, you know, effectively stagflation at that point. We've no, already been talking about inflation right? for a long time on this pod. And yeah. we've, got, we've had per capita recession for the last 12 months. So, you know, yep. it, you know we, it's, it's partly the terms that we choose to use. Yep. Um, fr- frankly, per, per capita growth has been negative for a year and inflation has been over 5% for that period of time. Guess what? Yep. We just went through a per capita stagflation effectively. Yep. Um, hopefully, again, coming out of the other end of it, but still some work to be done. And I, I don't think people should, as I said previously, declare victory just yet because uh, 2024 has got a few curveballs for us, I would suggest. Yeah. One final thing I just have to add. On, yeah, it, it, does, it does, the more I've, more I've sort of meditated on it, the more I, I'm sort of firm in the view is that 
again, it's this natural human tendency to do something about it. And I think when you're dealing with dynamic, complex systems with all kinds of feedback loops and, and unpredictable black swan behavior, it's, mm. you know, what you're really saying is, like, let, let's, let's take an isolated example. Again, first principles thinking it's always easy. And for whatever reason, there is a shortage in, from, of T-shirts from China. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe that shortage is because we've all just, we're all just doing so incredibly well that we're going to Kmart, we're buying 10 shirts every day. And then the RBA says, okay, that's inflation. We need to sort of deal with that. We're going to make the cost of money higher, stop you guys doing that. In other mm-hmm. words, you're causing the price to go up, which is technically true, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe Absolutely. it's a supply shock. Yeah, maybe yeah. for whatever reason, there's something happened in yes. China and we can't yes. get as many. But, but, but my point is actually neither of that is, is, I think, particularly helpful. If the RBA did nothing, let's take mm-hmm. the, the null hypothesis, as, as the scientists call it. And we're all buying 10 T-shirts a day. Mm. What, is a, what does an efficient global free market do in that scenario? Now, does the world have a shortage of cotton? Does the world have a shortage of mechanical looms and the mm. factories mm. that do no, no. In fact, and if there was, the price, the best cure for high prices is high prices. Mm. Because if that was sustained for any length of time, China's just ramping up. India's going to get in on the action and everyone else is too. And we're going to start making, they're not hard to make. They're super, and again, when you've got the, the T-shirt that you can see on Zoom right now, I'm wearing is some really cheap, <laughs> rubbishy, stretched out of all proportion, you know, crap from crap from um, overseas. But, but you know, I, I, I'm, I, whatever demand I have for that will eventually be met by yes. the market. Yes. So, so my argument is, is like RBA, don't do anything because by by trying to sort of solve that, what you're really doing is you're punishing the things that we can't have an effective and easy supply response, which is things like hairdressers, mm-hmm. uh, things like brickies, uh, things like services kind of thing. And that, that, is, that is why you sort of, you, you can hold the view that, okay, we're gonna do something and it's imperfect and we're, we're just gonna do it. But the more blunt way of saying it is, there are higher prices in areas of the economy that we can't do anything about and will mm-hmm. likely sort themselves out over time because that's what free markets do. Yeah. But to try and be seen to be doing something, we're going to deliberately target people who have an overt or an overexposure, well, not overexposure, more of an exposure yeah. to services-based things where we're just going to make life harder for you. It's not going to change the number of T-shirts that you're buying, by the mm-hmm. way, because you, know, you, you can get already as many as you want right now. Um, but it will stop you spending on other things, which is going to impact someone else's business, which is going to impact their salary, which is going to, again, it's sort of, it's, it's, we use nice words, but we are going to make you all suffer yeah. for a lot of yeah. things, yeah. for a lot of things that aren't necessarily your fault and and what we're doing won't necessarily fix either. The T-shirt problem is still the T-shirt problem until the, there's the supply side response. Am I making any sense? Does that- no, I'm making, you, but I, you, look, listen, no, I think I, I don't necessarily agree. I think there's a role to chop off the tops and the bottoms just make the pain less severe in both ends to, to reduce the booms and, and, and fill in some of the busts just to make that less, you know, the, the if it takes five years for the supply response to finally do its job and 50% of Australians are put out of work in the meantime, I would say, did it, did it resolve itself? Yes, because it always must. You're, you're absolutely, you're right. Yeah, but pe- but the we're putting, they're putting people out of work anyway. I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the implicit thing here is yeah. by making business harder, we are going, I mean, the, oh, um, totally. yes. Bullock said it, but a slip of the tongue, or was it? And, and I certainly know they've said it at the Fed. It's like, we, we want unemployment to go up. Yeah. Which is, and you know, wait a second. So you want people to lose their jobs. Yes, we want people to lose their jobs because they're spending too much. That's, let's just, 
cut away all the, the BS here. That's precisely the mechanism that they're looking to go yes, for. I, I, Which I, I, I just make the comment of it. Just yeah. it's sucky for situations where, where, given the unintended consequence, given the bluntness of it, and we, I guess we're just winding our way back to the usual conclusion we have, which is it needs to be far. If you want to do the thing that you're doing, which is a very noble mm. thing, which is mm. chop off the tops, get rid of the bottoms. Yeah. It, it needs to be a far more targeted fiscal response. Yeah, exactly. If, if anything, yeah, we're if you're going to do on it. that one. Yeah. The only thing, I, I have a single question for you, which would try and ask you to do quickly only because we want to move on, but. I am curious as to given that given that let the market sort itself out. When you look at Venezuela or Zimbabwe or mm-hmm. frankly Weimar Germany, um, there are there are reasons why some of that high inflation became a problem. But the hyperinflation that feeds on itself, where high prices should have already resolved yep. high prices and don't, haven't, won't, uh, whatever. Um, great, Venezuela, great question. Yeah, do, do you have a yeah a short, very sort of view. short of Bitcoin? Um, yeah. But you know, but that idea. I think my my concern. Why? Was, why? Why? Well, why did that happen there? And what could have they done to avoid it? Or the, the converse? Yes. My my perspective is the reverse. The same question, which is, if you're the RBA, you're thinking, I'd yep. really like to make sure we don't end up there. Yes. Maybe I should do something about that before, because you know, once it gets to a certain point, it becomes the snowball, right? Yeah. And yes, eventually that ends up. It, it'll 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 have the same resp- supply response eventually, because eventually mm-hmm. the whole thing breaks and you have to start again. Yep. That, that is the extremist version of it'll find its own level. And you're, you're not wrong about that. But if you're yep. a central bank and you're saying, I'd kind of like to make sure we don't end up being Venezuela. And I kind of think that maybe some action might be useful just to make sure we don't. Uh, yep. I, don't have, I don't have a strong perspective on that, but I, I, do see, I do see that and kind of go, I can see why people might say, let's just, if inflation's a bit higher, let's kind of damp it down before it gets to the point of unintended consequences or feedback loops and other things that can make it massively you know orders of magnitude worse before yep. it gets better oh such such firm views on it and the very in uh, um in sympathy to your keep it short i'll try Sorry. um there's a very good i just there's a great book if anyone's interested called broken money by lynn Alden, which is a fairly recent one which oh, no. b- big a big history of of uh monetary misadventure and what went mm. wrong so you mentioned mm. weimar you know lebanon argentina mm. all these places so the characteristics that they always have in common is just rampant and uncontrolled and and very um, poor monetary policy. They they printed a bunch of money. I just right. I'll say it. They printed a bunch of money. Now when I like literally, there's a lot of money printing. You see those pictures from Weimar Germany yeah. with people with with wheelbarrows. Like I said literally yeah, money yeah, printing yeah, yeah. In, in some cases. Zimbabwe had just zeros to banknotes. Yeah, it just yeah. had zeros to banknotes. And the, the other more the, the more I think a lot of people gloss over this. The more nuanced mechanism there is that when you lower the cost of capital as a central bank, you make it more. Uh, easier for banks to lend out more money. So there's more. There's a fractional reserve creation of, of a monetary base. I believe that's the M2 if you want to look at various monetary layers. Yeah, but in all cases, in all cases, the monetary ex- the base was expanded massively. It wasn't that people were spending recklessly. It, w- it was because that we had the same amount of stuff, but mm. the, the, the shells and the pebbles that we were using to sort of price and transact in it were just vastly, vastly increased. And what makes it particularly pernicious and, and, and um, dangerous is that there's, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, there's a lot of rampant corruption in these countries. You, you've, you've got um, a lot of money flowing. If you're close to the spigot, you you and uh, you, you tend to do, have an unfair advantage over yeah, other yeah. people. Yeah, the closest yeah, yeah, to the spigot, and this isn't an anti-government thing. It's just like yeah, the closest yeah. to the spigot is the government, and yeah. it gets very large. It, it invests with good intention a lot of the yeah. time, or sometimes just overt corruption. But but you have all this not only all this overt money uh, creation, but it is all this malinvestment mm. because the the 
you know, the head of some local province decides to build a 400 foot statue <laughs> to himself. You know, it doesn't create anything yeah. for the economy. And, yeah. and, and that, that, so that's how I'd answer your question. So mm. I think the RBA in the framework that we operate in has got to do the best that it can. And yes, it, it, it needs to try and avoid that scenario. Mm. But the better way to avoid that scenario is by, we're too quick to solve problems. Like, oh, the economy's hurting, quick RBA, fix it. And and this is like a harsh truth that I, I know never goes down well, but the reality is, is that it's good to have a level of failure in the economy. It's, it, we need that because without without that, we get more and more zombie companies, which leads to bigger and bigger, rec- more and more reckless, recklessness and misallocation. And, and frankly, we all just get poorer at the end of the day. Mm. So in the modern era, we've transitioned more towards trying that we've solved the economic cycle and we're going to do this and policymakers and pe- people mm. who have levers mm. to pull should fix that for us. And guess what? It doesn't work. It just makes, yeah. it, it kicks the can down the road and we have an almighty calamity like LR 2008 when it mm. finally mm. breaks, right? And we sticky tape it back up and we fix it by again printing all this money. Whereas- a, a more reasonable background of small but containable and, in fact, overall healthy uh, failure of business mm, mm. is a much better thing. E- either way, you got, either way, you've got misery, right? Yep, yep. But do you want misery inflicted on the entire society, or do you want a bit of targeted misery in areas where there was it turned out to be reckless Excess. investment yeah, and reckless yeah. spending? And it's 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 a brutal viewpoint, but it's. It's a brutal world, is, is I guess how I'd put it. And we should have, you know, we can have a separate mm-hmm. conversation about how we as society sort of support that. And I think we should have a lot of like creating business and forgiving bankruptcy. We should be like the US, it's one thing they do incredibly well. And here we do much better than the US. We have much greater social security nets and the rest of it. But, but when we're trying to solve the problem just to come full circle with these big central bank mm. uh, decrees, I just don't think it works that well. I'm going to leave it there with uh, with an anecdote from Charlie Munger. I've been I've been listening to the um, Poor Charlie's Almanac book. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I probably yes, did. Yes, yeah. He uh, he talks. He, he gives the example. Of, so you talk about fairness is a really interesting one, mate. He, he kind of says there's a thing in the U.S. Navy. He says if if the Navy captain's been up for 24 hours straight and is tired, hands over control to his, his subordinate, goes to bed, and the ship runs aground, the captain loses his commission. Right. He doesn't get court-martialed, but and it doesn't matter. It wasn't his fault. The captain loses commission. Yep. And she says, is that fair? Well, no, it's not fair to the Navy captain because he didn't do anything wrong and he was tired and the other guy was in charge. Yep. But what it means is you've got skin in the game. You know as a captain- Power if the ship incentives. Runs, right? If the ship runs aground, no matter what happens, you lose your job. And his point wasn't actually about the captain itself being fair or not fair or doing the right or wrong thing. It was the idea that sometimes a little bit of unfairness means that all yep. the rest of the ships won't run aground because all the captains know exactly what's on the line if they yep. screw up. And he says, look, the captain was fine. This is your point about safety nets. He doesn't get court-martialed. He's still got his pension. He's going to get employment somewhere else. He's not going to mm. be happy about it, but he'll be he'll be totally fine. And yep. yes, it's horribly unfair for him because it wasn't his fault. But what it means is overall, at, at a fleet level, they're much less likely to have a ship run aground. Yep. And I just thought it was a, you know, it's an interesting idea. I'm not even sure I completely agree with it, nor I completely agree with you, but I have a lot of sympathy for for that that view in the context of yep, a little too. bit of a little bit of unfairness is at a societal level, <laughs> horribly unfair for the person. At a yep. societal level, is it a better outcome? Yes. Okay, so where do you draw that line? And that's your point about targeted unfairness or targeted misery. Um, yep. There there is some really mature conversations we need to have as a society. Uh, this is yeah. not to go too far down the rabbit hole or too far on a tangent, but that's why we let people drive at 100 k's an hour on the freeway. We yeah. could we could solve the, the the road toll tomorrow by speed limiting all cars to 30 k's an hour. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could do it tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. So, so what is the what? It, what we we implicitly place a value on those lives, and I'm sorry for anyone listening who's had a a death or an injury in a car accident. But we 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 literally, you know, implicitly put a value on those lives and say we are prepared to tolerate yeah. this number of lives lost per year because we want to people to be able to travel 100 k's an hour on the freeway. Yep. Now, is e- economics fairly, you know, economics right? is really the study of trade offs in a, in a lot it of ways. Absolutely right? is. That's exactly what it is. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Some profit announcements from this week. And a CEO, in fact, two CEOs uh, deciding to, to, to depart the scene. Uh, the big one was probably Woolworths CEO Brad Banducci stepping down. Uh, I famously was on Four Corners earlier in the week, walked out of an interview and said, I didn't mean to say that. Can we start again? The reporter said, "Well, sorry, Brad. This is on the record. Oh. Uh, that made uh, that made the uh, the socials, as as these things tend to. It wasn't anything horrible, by the way. It just he just misspoke and wanted to change it. And of course, then that became the the talking point. Um, You're on the record. It, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a little. I know. I, I, I almost bit, I almost felt sorry for him to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little a little bit gotchery for me. But anyway, yeah. Um, subsequently, he then uh, decides to resign or announces his resignation two days later. The Woolworths board says, "No, no. We've been looking for a replacement since September last year." Uh, we can only take them on their word. Uh, it's convenient, but but maybe just one of those things. Maybe coincidences happen. Also announced a $780 million loss, thanks to some big write-downs. Their normal liars profit or operating profit was up 2.5% on a 4.4% increase in revenue. At the same time, let's roll them all together. We can kind of break them all apart again. NAB, uh, profit down 17%. And a $200 million increase in provisions for bad and doubtful debts. In other words, those of us with mortgages or car loans or credit cards that won't end up paying that back based on weakening economic circumstances. Uh, we saw Jane Hudlicker, the CEO of Virgin, step aside. She is going to be, uh, was going to be, uh, the person that, uh, in theory, is going to take this business back onto the public markets when Bain Capital, the private equity mob, decided to relist it. She will no longer be that person. Uh a lot going on. Last one probably, mate. ANZ buying Suncorp's banking business. So many, so many bits of corporate news and big corporate news this week. Um, do you want to kick it off with Woolies, mate? Do you have any? Do you have any particular thoughts? Yeah, just to finish the first one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The way I said, I feel a bit sorry for him. Um, yes. At the same time, you're you're on seven million a year, and you run a very powerful company. I, I feel as though it's part of the job. I, I think we we are right as shareholders or investors to demand. Mm. That you know, you be the kind of person that can answer questions. Yeah. Um, I, look, we we do a lot of straw, um, interviews with CEOs on, on straw man, right? And every now and again, we're trying to line something up, and they'll say, "Listen, I don't want to talk about this, or I only want to talk about that." And it it irks me because yeah. I kind of feel as though I'm not gonna, I'm not out to attack you, but if I ask a question that you're not comfortable <laughs> That's with, right. I feel as though you're a you're a you're an adult, and mm-hmm. you can just say, "Well, listen, I'd prefer not to answer it because of this, 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 and this," and it's. If it's not an unreasonable question, it's not unreasonable to ask. And so, yeah, it was a bit of gotcha journalism. I, I get all of that. And and it wasn't really the biggest step, uh, misstep he had other than deciding to walk out. Like if he just said that and moved on, it would have been far, far less. Totally right. It would have been a, yeah, a, a, a side note of anything, a footnote of anything to the interview. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But he, he made it. And look, and that's just a, we're human and, and to be human is – to err is to be human, as, as they kind of say. But – you know, suck it up, sweetheart. You're the you're the you're the CEO of a, of a billion dollar company, and you know you you will get asked tough questions, and 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 that's just part of the job. So I'll say that much. Um, with Woolies, I thought there's a lot to sort of say here. It comes, mm. 
it dovetails into the inflation thing. So we yeah. won't try and yeah. cover, cover the, the same ground again. <laughs> But obviously, it was all about this cost of living. Everyone's angry. And I think all of us know that we go to the supermarket, our prices have gone up. And mm -hmm. so it's sort of like, and, and, and this is not something that we can, you know, you talk about the RBA increasing prices, uh, increasing interest rates. It's mm -hmm. not going to mean I'm going to consume less food, right? right exactly. I might change exactly. the mix of my food, but I'm- Yeah, and you might buy this for something else, but you're still going to buy food, right? I got to eat. I got to eat, right? So so they saw a five and a half percent increase in, in oh, so, here's the other thing I need to say. So when you look at it overall, the group, we saw that EBIT, so the, this is the pre-tax, pre-interest uh, profit, Operating profit, was up 3.3%. Yep. And that's of a 4.4% lift in sales. So their margin actually shrunk. Yes. But, uh, you know what, as again, glass half empty, just fr <laughs> frame it up. Uh, they, they, if you, they also own Big W, they also yeah. own supermarkets in the NZ, both of which had a pretty horror half. Yeah, it was awful, yeah. If you look at just Australian food, the, the supermarket segment, now this, this accounts for 70% of their revenue. Mm. In this, we saw a near 1% lift in their gross margins. Mm. So he, this is the other thing you've got to do. There's a lot of teasing apart, and I'm sorry for all the mm -hmm. nuance, but you kind of need it here. So there's a fixed cost to run the business, right? That's just going to be what it's, what it's going to be. The gross margin is just like, well, I buy the carrots from the farmer at a dollar and, and I sell them for a dollar 20, you know? So I've got a 20 cent margin on that. Mm. So there's, why has your, why is your uh, trolley of groceries gone up? Well, two things. Um, wholesale prices have gone up. Yes. So that's, that's the first one. And that, is that mm -hmm. Woolies' fault? No, that's not, that's not Woolies' fault. Yep. Um, the amount that they sold it to you, though, had a bigger margin. In fact, the gross margin increased by a percent. Mm -hmm. Now, what is that gross? Well, let's go back to the EBIT margin. Overall, when you look at it, I mentioned this on the pod before, so sorry to repeat myself. Overall, when you look at Aussie Super, well, sorry, back up, back up. Finish one point at a time, Andrew. The first point being is, yes, food prices went up. Yes, a big part of that is wholesale. Yes, Woolies added extra to it. They they got more. If they had kept margin steady, yes, your groceries wouldn't have been as expensive. Now, I know you're going to say, and you're going to be right in this. You're going to say, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not like you know your two hundred dollars worth of groceries, whether you spent. They made seven dollars off that, or five dollars off that, is mm -hmm. not going to solve the inflation crisis. So that there's is a point. One, there's also one more I'm going to make just quickly while you while you do, just to kind of yep. put this in so you can come back to it. Is gross margin is not the only additional cost that a supermarket will incur yes. during the, during the year. So if it's got I'll higher staff costs, it has to make that up yep. with higher gross margins or find other ways to to offset. Excellent those. So yes, point. Keep going. Very, no, 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 I don't want to get away from that. But they put the price up, right? And so it's, it's, it's hard for them to say we've. Well, you can almost say this is a good thing. Like, complete ethics aside, right? Mm -hmm. What do I want? I want a business with pricing power. Does Woolies yes, have pricing right. power? The, oh, my yes, God, they have pricing power. Like, yeah. exhibit A, B, C, D, and E is all in that thing there. They do, Correct. and they did it because they can. Yes. And it's not – it. And, and so that I'm just making the point that you can't tell me that you, you copped it on the chin here, you passed yeah. it on, and then some, and yep. then some. Now, your point, uh, EBIT is, or, or, or profit, we've got a, I'm paying more for staff. There are other costs within the business, and that, that is very true. So let's look at that operating profit again. Now, with the Australian food segment, that was a, that went from a margin of 5.8 to 6.1. Mm -hmm. So it went up as well. Yes. And now, that was, the other, I think it was 0.24%, I think it was when you take it to the second decimal place, was the increase in their the profit margins from the food business. Yep. But I, and it, like, so like, is it egregious? Not necessarily, but you know, you did better than 
Yeah. In, a, in a very tough, supposedly environment, you, you do better, right? Correct. So that's yeah. let's, let's just call a spade a spade. Yep. Um, is, is it material to overall and everything? Okay, that's that's a separate question. The, the other thing, and I'm, we, this is the point we've made before, was mm. that when I looked it up, actually, I found some, I read this really good report from 2022 from McKinsey. Not that I'm a big fan of McKinsey necessarily, <laughs> <I guess> so. <laughs> but but you know, for whatever it's worth, they yep. they had a report on um, average margins across U.S. supermarkets. Oh, interesting. And they, the report was sort of how that's changed between 2018 mm-hmm. and 2022. Anyway, the EBIT margins for 2022 in the U.S. If you look at uh, Costco's and Safeways and, and all the various brands that they have over there, is four percent. Right. And I believe from memory, Europe's about the same. Okay. So you have a scenario here. Where, well, this is a separate conversation. But what is an appropriate margin? Mm-hmm. Do we have to decide that publicly, or is it, or is it more laissez-faire? Well, whatever the company can get away with doing. But for whatever, what, but again, just statements of facts, and then I'm mm-hmm. sorry, man, I'm, I'm hogging the microphone here, but I'm laying out the landscape here. But the, the, the statement of fact is. Not only have gross margins gone up, they've passed on the increases and then some. Not only have their operating profits in in supermarkets, yes, there have been higher costs, but they've they've more than passed that on as well. Yep. And they're running at a higher level of operating profit than their peers. Six percent, four percent doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a fifty yeah. percent increase. Yeah. yeah. So why is it that Australia gets to charge so much extra? The 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 commentary that's out there is so mind bogglingly bizarre. It's, oh, but we've got more distance. <laughs> That's right. Like, well, doesn't that make it more expensive? Makes your, makes your costs should, higher, doesn't make your margins higher. Exactly. Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't yeah. that make it a, a less far? If I'm if I'm in a highly concentrated, dense environment yep. where I have far less shipping and logistics costs and the rest of it, shouldn't that make it cheaper? Yeah. That doesn't. That's not an argument to make make prices more. So, okay. so the answer for my money is, well, why? Because they can. Why yep. can they? Because they've yep. got extraordinary scale and market power. Is that a bad thing? Yeah, probably at a point. I don't know where that point is. Should the government do something about it? Yes, but but not regulatory response. Mm. What they should do is foster competition, of course. And, and then I'll finish my – I'll shut up. My, no, my final it. point being is that the, the it's a very natural response, and I get people listening to this will be going, yes, the government needs to do something. Yeah. Let's play the thinking through. Okay, we're going to do it. Now to operate a supermarket, you need to meet all of these regulatory conditions. And all of these regulatory conditions will be well conceived, or at least intentioned, I should mm-hmm. say, but what it, the, the, the practical bottom line is, is that to operate in the supermarket space, you need, now need a much bigger resourcing to manage all of that regulatory and uh, burden and compliance burden, which means what have you just done? You've just added to the incumbents barriers to entry. Right, exactly. It is now hard. The um, Exhibit A here is the banks, right? There is so mm-hmm. much regulation around banking and people will go, yeah. well, yeah, of course that's appropriate. Yeah, it is. But the perverse un- unintended consequence of that is, is that it's just virtually impossible for anyone else to, to get in there and compete with the banks. So what it's, it's, economists have a name for it. It's called regulatory capture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and quietly, if, if Woolies was found at the, at, at the end of a hostile Senate who said, we're going to do all these stuff on you, secretly they'll be, they'll be clinking the champagne glasses mm-hmm. because while it will have an immediate or you know, short-term impact Longer term, it just entrenches their incumbency. Okay, I'm yeah. out. I'll shut up. No, mate, that is a great tour de force. I'm going to throw a couple of thoughts, just random thoughts to add to what you've said. Um, first thing I want to actually point out, this is this is not, well, I'm, in, I'm in a bit of a, uh, a bit of a run on this one, but I'll, so I'll keep going. The, if you look at the, so you talked about the uh, food business for Woolies. If you look at the performance by business, Woolworths supermarkets, 
the actual supermarket, you know, physical supermarkets, but the usual things we know as supermarkets, sales were up by 3.2%. Mm. Woolworths Metro, so the little kind of in the, in the, in the place food stores, the little ones, lower footprint, probably higher rent per square meter, but also probably higher prices. Sales up 9.1%. The e-commerce business, Oh yes, up to up by twenty one percent. Now I don't really know what the gross margins or net margins are for that re, that e commerce business. In part, they're actually including e commerce sales from the stores, so you kind of can't separate them out because they're saying, well, you know, the click and collect or the online ordering, we're tracking the sales going through the website, but they're fulfilled at store level. So how do you yep. you can't ever really break that apart? Yeah, but it's fascinating, mate, because that is now close enough to fifteen percent of the store originated. Woolworths sales. Mm. And you start to do those maths. Now, that, again, grew up 21%. Store originated sales up by 3%. So it grew seven times, or six a bit, times as fast or faster than the, the supermarket, physical supermarkets business. This is a business that is changing radically. If you fast forward this, it'll plateau at some point. Uh, but if you fast forward this far enough, that e-commerce sales growth is going to be phenomenal. And it's worth just it's worth just calling that out. So yeah, it really is. They do do some EBIT numbers by stores and e-commerce separately. I don't know they've allocated all those costs accordingly. So it's probably yep. I won't say misleading because that suggests an intentional. It's just harder to do. So I would ignore the the EBIT numbers for the sake of it. But yeah, just I thought that was really interesting. Uh, next thing for me, mate, is I so I, I have a, I used to work at Woolies way back in the day. I also worked at Woolworths Suppliers. I've seen both sides of this. So I just want to I just want to throw a couple of thoughts about that that competition piece. I have a very, very strong conviction, but I can't prove it because it's impossible. There's no way to do the counterfactual that Australian consumers are far, 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 far better off having an oligopoly at the moment, at least could get worse, could get bad than if we had lots and lots of little guys. Why? Two things. One, uh, Woolies and Coles have an absolute stranglehold on suppliers in Australia. They can pretty much call the tune. I think I've said this before. I don't know if I have. Mm. Um, I used to work at a supplier who, unless Coles and Woolworths would both take the product, there wasn't enough volume to make the product worth making. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means you've got to get both of them in the, through the door. If you get both of them through the door and they know that, and trust me, they know that, they can set the conditions, including the prices. Now, what are they going to do with those prices? Some would say they're going to try and make more margin in some part, yes. They're also going to set the retail price so they can try and get money off the... You know, they still want to win market share from the competition. Yeah. I have a very strong suspicion that if we said... Now, the thing you didn't cover in your response was what if we broke them up? They said, right, mm. you, can't, you can't be this big. Mm. You've got to arbitrarily take every second store and call it a, you know, a Colesworth store. And, and, and there's now three or four retailers. We'll make you do it or sell them off or do whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll make this happen, you know, just because we want to. I would suspect suppliers go, beauty, thank God. I'm going to now charge 10% more for all my stuff because I now can't afford to because the big guys can't dominate me that much. Now, if that happens, they can't absorb that sort of increase. So what happens? Shelf prices actually may go up. Not down. And on top on top of that too, you've now got a third logistics network that you need to support that. That was chain. my next point. And on a country the size of Australia, why the the argument that does ring true for me on distribution is not we make more margins because the distribution's you know longer and further and worse, but it acts as a natural barrier to competition, which yep. allows that because if I had to all of a sudden supply Adelaide and Darwin and Newtown and New Farm and I can't think of a new that starts in Melbourne, but you get the idea. Uh, Newcastle and, you know, whatever. Um, 
if I had a supplier license, duplicate the head office, duplicate the freight network. And by the way, the freight guys are going to give you a worse price because you're no longer sending as much stuff in as many trucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't say it's terrible. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm not here to defend the supermarkets. I don't own any shares. I think I've said before, my own bloke owns a fraction of a single Woolworth share through his account. Uh, trust me when I say that doesn't motivate my thoughts. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I'm not saying it would happen at all. It, it may no, not. You, you make but, such a great point. Yeah. It's just worth bearing in mind when we say how terrible the Australian supermarket industry is. I, as it, I, by the way, if, if I, this, again, this will anger people. If I could do anything with supermarkets, I'd actually put prices up because I think what they should do is pay the suppliers more, frankly. If, if there was, you know, the, the people who are suffering from lack of competition is not the consumer, can I tell you? Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the supplier. And I'm not mm-hmm. crying poor on behalf of the people I worked for. I work for multinationals mostly, not entirely, but mostly. Um, it's, the, it's, the, it's the farmers. And the little suppliers who are just mm. being told exactly what price and exactly what discounts and exactly what margins, exactly, you know, they have no choice. They are desperately yep. trying to keep keep going, knowing that it, the sort of Damocles is hanging over their head. Anytime Woolies and Coles get the irrits with them, that yep. it's game over. Um, yep. So, you know, I, I, I actually I get think we'd, get, we'd have a better supply experience. We'd probably have, you know, a, a healthier <laughs> supplier ecosystem. But we'd have to pay more for that, and that that is the that is the ugly reality. If you looked at this system and said, "How can we? How should we fix it?" You would say, "More chains, uh, more suppliers, a better balance between supplier and, and retailer, and the result would be higher retail prices." Now you try to say that in Parliament, yep. it's not going to yep. happen, right? It's young. It's such a great point. I mean, and this is it kind of underlines what we were talking about before. In, in you have to be so careful anytime you change a setting. Because you kind of think, I I change A, that leads to B, and then I get C. And then you've just given an excellent case as to why, yeah, but there is this unintended Mm -hmm. uh, EFG over here that you didn't even think of. And by the way, there's probably a whole other bunch of letters that we're not even- (laughs) It is is so- Because it is this bottom-up organic mess of just people cooperating, right? And trying to all all get ahead that that Mm -hmm. sort of forms this sort of emergent behavior. So it, it is- It is- it is excellent. So, yeah, I think I'm with you there. I'm not, I'm back- not saying it would happen at all. I, I, I don't know. All I'm saying is be careful what you wish for. I, I, I can totally that, see that it. Or, or something yeah. that we're not even contemplating. Yes, right? exactly. That's right. Option that, North, that, door number three. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's like, oh, God, none of it saw that. And history is replete with, with that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, where, where, we probably do need more of a policing mm. or regulatory role is just in making sure that there are as few barriers to entry as possible yes. such that yes. if someone did want to try and do it i'm going to i'm i'm from europe yes. i own a you know 500 billion dollar enterprise over there i'm broadening into australia i've got the capital to do it i want to do it aldi's mm. try to do it Cost, uh, uh, Costco, yeah, Costco's tried to do it. Yep, they, um, yeah, they've done it. They're, they're, Aldi's got wow. about ten percent of market share of um, dry grocery. It's remarkable. Well, I here's my here's, I've got no data for this, but here's here's yeah. my data point. Yeah. I reckon it would be far higher, except right. for um, some of the stuff that you could probably label as as any competitive. Uh, okay. the land banking is the big one that's been talked about. So right. I'm Woolies. I'm playing a long game because I'm smart. Yeah. So is Coles. Yeah. So they know, oh, there's a new housing development going here. The, the city, mm-hmm. the, the urban fringe is growing over here. They know exactly. And, and, and they know that particularly the way cities are planned these days, everything is built around a Westfield or a Westfield kind yes, of yes, equivalent, yes. right? Or one of the, and, the one new marketplace kind of group, um, shopping centers. Yep. And, 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 and you, it, I know that um, it's been at least reported 
that Aldi and Costco have had a lot of trouble finding suitable floor, uh, yep. floor space yep. to do what they need to do. And 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 Coles and Woolies know that it's like, well, that is a limiting factor. We can't stop the competition because mm-hmm. uh, they're well-funded. They're very good operators. And by the way, without them, without Aldi, I reckon the price, the margins would be even higher than they than they are. Um, uh, yeah. Do you see where I'm going there? I totally agree. Great, I, agree. So let me let me take that into competition law, mate, because this this takes us beautifully to ANZ and Suncorp. Yes, um, I you're right. Um, Woolworths got to buy Flemings back in the day. I can't remember who bought Franklin's in the end. It might have been Metcash. I can't remember. Um, Woolworths. There was bought Jack, a, Jack the Slasher in Tamworth. That's right. Well, Woolworths yeah. bought a, uh, a an ailing warehouse operation in Canberra called Australian Independent Wholesalers way back in the day. I, I know because I was the Heinz account manager for AIW way back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Um, Prove you I'm old. Um, that uh, frankly, you know, Woolies bought Safeway way back when, and then eventually rebranded that business in Victoria. There's a there's a there's a, a long list, long line of of these kind of things happening, and I I would suspect that had our time again for everything we've just said, stopping some of that purchased consolidation would have been the easiest way, probably, to put a little bit of the brakes on on that kind of outcome. That being yeah. said, Flemings and Franklins were going broke, so there's also yeah. a reality around. Well, okay, you don't buy them; they go broke anyway. The big guys take them out, take over the space or the sales. They probably do. So yep. again, no, no perfect solutions. We didn't mention it's- IGA. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, so there's another player there Correct. as well. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, because yeah. yeah, there, there are there are players here, right? Right. There, are, there, yeah, exactly. there are players here that have overcome those that the sort of initial sort of activation barrier mm-hmm. sort of get it to, to jump over. So, yeah, I I would be doing whatever I can to to make it. Again, not to pick favourites and you know yes, uh, yes. or anything like that, but just to make sure that any anti-competitive behaviour that is happening, that is where is an unreasonable flex of market power. And by the way, I think companies should flex whatever market power they legally can. That's your duty, right? To to maximise profits. That's that's the construct in which which you operate. But at a society level, we just need to make sure where the bounds sort of lie. And if someone has just got such incredible power yeah. that they're that they are. You 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 veer into the exploitative kind of realm. That's that's where you, you've probably recognised that you've gone too far, and you need to sort of stimulate some uh, some activity right. elsewhere to help bring it back. So this week, the H well, not this week, a couple of years ago, the ACCC said to ANZ, "You may not buy SunCorp's banking business. Okay, it will yep. reduce in a lessening of competition." This week, the Australian Com- Com- Competition Tribunal, the the court, effectively that hears appeals to ACCC decisions said, yeah, sorry, ACCC, you guys are wrong. You can't block this one. We're going to let ANZ buy Suncorp's banking business. Mm. Now, I'm look, I've just, I've just spent a lot of time not even defending the, the retailers, but trying to paint a more even picture than perhaps some in the, in, uh, the media choose to, to outline. I just see one, uh, kind of a quick bit of snark. I saw one article where Woolworths had made a couple of percent more in profit. And the article there goes on to say, well, that might seem small, but it's actually this much money. Which was kind of saying the quiet bit out loud in terms of the reporter's own perspective on. Uh, yeah. I don't see them saying that when, when margins fall. That seems small, but that's actually they lost this much money. You never see mm. that in those articles. You only mm-hmm. see it in the articles where the reporter has a, a predetermined view, and they're entitled to that. But let's call a spade a bloody shovel. Yeah. Um, for all that said, mate, uh, I am also not sure, as I've kind of intimated, that allowing some of these mergers is a good idea. And it's interesting that I don't. So I have I have a thought on this. So let me let me set it out. ANZ gets to buy Suncorp's banking business. It cost them $4.9 billion, if you don't mind. Made a whole lot of commitments about keeping staff and keeping the brand for a while. I would put a large amount of money on the fact <laughs> the brand wise very quickly. After, sorry, that, after that yeah. guaranteed period, correct? Yeah. Um, 
But also, mate, I think it's interesting that I, I, I think what I think I'm seeing is an ACCC that is becoming more interventionist, probably as a result of being having a new government, really honestly. And I don't mean to impugn anyone's reputation or, or, or perspectives on these things, but it seems very uh, coincidental. Uh, certainly a very large correlation between a more interventionist ACCC and a new government in Canberra. But the law hasn't changed. So if you have a, a regulator applying a, 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 a current law, the existing law, a certain way, but then that gets to a court who doesn't have the, the, the liberty of applying laws the way they might like them to be, but rather literally to determine on the basis of the black letter law, what does this mean? You may well have a situation where the ACCC says no to a merger that the court says, well, there's no kind of foundation to say no to it in law. Uh, why do I say all that? I think between that, the changes to, or the, the issues around supermarkets, the Alan Fells report we talked about a couple mm -hmm. of weeks ago, uh, where he actually recommended that mergers have to prove it won't reduce competition rather than the ACCC having to prove it will. In other words, reversing the onus of proof. I would suspect, mate, that we end up seeing tougher competition laws in Australia in the next 12 or 18 months. Now, maybe the government hasn't got the guts for it. Maybe they don't care enough about it. Maybe they do or maybe they will. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making uh, promises either way. I don't know what the politicians will choose to do. It's one of those forecasts that's not worth making. But it does strike me there is a significant difference between what the ACCC would like to do and what the law allows them to do. And to the yep. extent the government agrees, I guess I, it's maybe just a comment more than anything about, about the, the, the moves and the mood in Canberra, but I would suspect we see some changes to competition law. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's where I sort of land philosophically and trying to sort of draw up the, the battle lines uh, with all of this stuff. I it's think hard, right? that any company, now let's, again, it gets ideological, but you know, in a, in a perfect world, which we don't live in, yes. those that, the billionaires, the, the mega companies are the billionaires and the mega companies because they yeah. created immense value for the world via a new product or service. And we all just were intrinsically richer because of this company existing. You know, if that company didn't exist, we wouldn't have this this stuff. Um, and so it's kind of like that's – I don't have a problem with that. And I don't have a problem with those companies using their scale to deliver more value to to people. And I think they deserve mm -hmm. good profits. In fact, I think it's their duty to demand good profit. Where it gets shady to me is when that scale and, and capital um, power that they wield mm -hmm. is used on things that uh, – like – the one I'm really winding my way around to is is lobbying, and yes, and that's yeah. that's quite yeah, to me. I cancer. define because yeah. a lot of my mates, you know, it's sort of like ah, oh, capitalism's bad, and I think no, what mm -hmm. what you don't like, you're right to be angry, by the way. Yes, but yes. what you don't like is crony capitalism. Yes, and I don't. Yeah, the I don't either. The system. Yep, exactly. Yep. You, you you have you have people with snouts in the trough that are that yep. are they're putting their thumb on the scale, so they're all playing this quote unquote capitalism game. But they're playing it with mm -hmm. where everyone else got an arm tied behind the back, and you've got a mate who works at the government, and therefore, you know, or you've got an you've got a, a, a the PM's uh, number, and you can call mm -hmm. them up and have a chat. Mm -hmm. That that to me is not capitalism, and that is that's where it, it is unfair. Yeah. So when you get to those kinds of, and you, you talk about ANZ buying Suncorp, right? A huge transaction. How much money do you think they spent? lobbying and with lawyers just yeah. getting the deal structure and making sure the ground was laid as best as it can before it, it is so out of the realm of anyone who isn't a multi-billion dollar institution to even attempt mm. that it, again it's it's a solidification of power that has not come through value creation for society it's a That's solidification right. of power that has come 
by gaining undue and unfair access to the levers of power. And again, just to be ideological and call me naive, I would argue that the government should represent the people, not the corporations, right? The corporations should also represent us, except they we vote with our wallets with companies and we vote at the ballot box with with paper, with with our politicians. I only want to add one thing, just just to add nuance to your point, mate, or maybe some specificity. There is no there is no uh, allegation for anybody anywhere that ANZ did anything improper to get the a the Australian no no not, not illegal right not but illegal not even appropriate right because there was no there was no executive decision this was a court decision to get this one through sure. what they've probably done as a, as a business community is lobbied in years past to get the competition laws they want and that's there's no, there's no probably about it they do well that yeah they my, do. my point my point though yeah. is it's not about it's not about this particular transaction this wouldn't really sorry, be envisaged sorry. at the yeah. point the law was yeah. put in place business lobbied for the laws they wanted so that these things subsequently could happen yep. at some point in the future and yep. I, I know it's not, it's the same thing but it's also a little bit different i just want to make the point you're not suggesting that there was something untoward in this particular case sorry was, i'm glad you made that clarification yeah, no, just, and look yep. no, we're not talking about individuals there's no there's no legal issue but just just to be fair and clear um it's the laws that get written and they get written as a result of or, or influenced by lobbyists who turn up at the office and say, so what I think I'd like is this. Can I, can we I need wonder this. that? Can mm. I wonder that, mate? I think this is, I'm not sure it's more insidious. It might be a little bit. We kind of think lobbying is important and it is, right? Because you get to go into the PM's office or the treasurer's office or the trade minister's office and say, here's what I'd like, police minister, and here's why I'd like it. And maybe money changes hands, but it probably doesn't. Maybe they're persuasive. Maybe they're not. Maybe they only get in because they're big and important. Maybe they don't. Uh, the one I actually think is also worth thinking about. This is I, I'm. It's a massive tangent, and feel free to ignore it. I'm long and loud on banning political donations in general. Oh, with and you. it's actually hundred percent easiest. Easiest. Like if you could change right. one thing, like that would be the thing to change with our system. Yeah. But for me, it's not even. Necess- it's not only about access, right? Because here's the thing: you don't have to change the view of the government necessarily. You just have to be able to influence the the party that gets elected. Yep. So if you happen to be a business mogul, or you happen to be a union leader. You don't have to necessarily even change their minds. You just have to make sure the people who think like you are more likely to be in government. Like it can literally be that simple. You can never ever talk to them. But mm-hmm. if you can get them to be the party of government in either direction, and this is not a partisan view, then you're going to more likely get your thing. Now, I have no problem with the people elect. 51% of us saying, I think the pro-business guy or the pro-employee guy should get the vote. That's fine. When, when, the, when money is used in either sphere to overtly or, or, or subvertly is that if that's a word influence um covertly influence the uh the outcome of the election that and again completely legally right legally as in mm. they spend yep. the money on advertising or, or whatever it is that's i i think it's more insidious in a sense because it's we kind of ignore it or, or forget it exists you see a mm. lobbyist walking like oh i can stop that happening yeah and and it would help absolutely don't get me wrong i'm not i'm, I'm absolutely for it to your point I, i'd have no lobbyists at all frankly um by the way da- senator david pocock who is one of the best people in parliament right now has been campaigning for a long time to have the lobbyists uh, access uh transparently available to the public <laughs> how what? is that even a debate how, how is both, that how? Both, and, and how both major parties are like yeah no we think that's a terrible idea Go, why, really can, you, can you just elaborate on that? Exactly. Can you now like, like this occam's razor right the simplest explanation yeah yep. Explain to me, like I'm 12, why that is not a good idea, except, <laughs> yep. you know, that it's just like, well, the, the thing that we can't say is, is that we, we get a lot of funding here. And as long as right. we sort of play ball, right. we'll continue to get a lot. We don't want to end that. We do not want to end that that funding arrangement. It's money that makes the and world Pocahontas go around, not even, you know? I, I think you should. Pocahontas not even saying no lobbyists. He's just yeah. saying when you are lobbying, just put yeah. your name on something that I can search no, on the internet. Won't happen. Won't happen. It's I bet, I bet my left arm it won't happen. 
Mate, let's anyway, finish off. Anyway, so I just oh, just <laughs> finishing on the on the thought. We always get into politics here, but business and co- politics is is sort of joined at the hip. Yep. I just say, in, in just to put a uh, a full stop after the the discussion with ANZ and Suncorp, I think the C was right to reject it. Right, it, it, I think it it is a almost definitionally yep. an increasing concentration of power of all those things that we are talking about. Exactly. Is that weaker? Is that worse or better after this transaction? Ask yourself yeah. this, is the consumer better or worse yeah. after this? I reckon there's a lot of synergies and I reckon the balance sheet of ANZ is going to look a bit better after all of this. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but but you know. But that's what I mean. That, what and is. that's the problem with the law, mate. That's why the law will change because right now as written, the law says, will there be, can you can you prove it's the wrong word because it's a legal thing, but is there likely to be or, or can you can you can you be sure enough there'll be a reduction of competition to block this. In other words, mm. the presumption is it should go through unless you can prove it's bad mm-hmm. or show show clearly to the court that it's bad. Mm-hmm. And so the burden of proof on that is something about the future <laughs> where you've got to say, well, I think it will. Well, why do you think it will? Well, because this sort of stuff might happen. Yeah, but it mm. might not. Mm. It's a very, very, very difficult standard to reach, which is why I like Fell's approach, which is you've got to prove this is not going to harm competition. Yeah. If you want to do this deal... You yeah. got to prove that because if if it's if it's a cut up to the regulator to prove that it won't, yeah, that's a re- stupidly high burden of proof. And to your point, mate, in the real world with the rest of us, I think we're smart enough to look around and go, it's probable that if you let a couple of really 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 big businesses get bigger by buying some smaller ones, that's probably mm. it's unlikely to improve things. It's yeah. probably gonna make them worse. And so on balance, maybe we shouldn't do that unless we can be sure it won't be a problem. Yep. You know that 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 harm 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 minimization in the first instance, harm reduction. Yep. It's like eh, we're not sure. Let's not do it just in case. That's, that's I, not an unreasonable point, approach. And, and it's it's not just the angle of uh, enabling competition and better yep. outcomes for consumers. Banks are special. Banks yep. enjoy an extraordinarily privileged place within our system. True. And and we know that when. Stuff gets real, uh, you know. It's, the banks are usually at the at the center of it, yeah. and we have this. I would argue that not just for the the competition angle, but also yeah. for the for the systemic structural systemic risk, yeah, yeah, yeah. issue that yeah. we should have. A, it's, it's better off to have a lot of banks because That's if true. some of them get a bit silly and reckless with their lending, again, back to my earlier point, and they fail, it sucks. I, I get it, but I'd rather that than it's just like, well, we, these guys are so big now; they have concentrated themselves and gobbled up so much <laughs> that we yeah. can't let them fail, and they know that. It's, I mean, it's game theory one hundred and one, and so you just go, "Oh, look, let's just let's just keep partying like it's nineteen ninety nine because a yeah. we're probably going to make a lot of money for a long time, and b if ever the party does end, we're completely bailed out anyway. So yeah, you know, it just and then and then you know uh, let let any number of like bubbles and and misery follow in that wake. Mate, you mentioned bubbles, and I want to finish really quickly with this. It doesn't have to be super quickly, but you know, I don't want to spend too long necessarily unless you want to. We, we are well past to. the hour, but I'll, I'll we, keep we've ticked over yeah. that. Nvidia, speaking of bubbles, those shares are up threefold yeah. in the last 12 months alone. Now, any share price tripling is a hell of a thing, except the business is now worth $1.67 trillion US dollars. In other words, that market cap has increased by a trillion bucks. Yeah. in 12 months. Now, I don't know how you want to slice the maths up. That's an absolutely massive chunk of change, $80 billion a month. Yeah. Was it $2.5 billion a day? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a stupidly large increase. Now, sales have been going through the roof. NVIDIA is largely powering the AI 
boom. A lot of NVIDIA's chips. It's a computer chip maker, by the way. It's the pick and that. shovel of the AI uh, industry, right? right? Yeah. Uh, making a lot of chips, a lot of chips. Sales going through the roof because everyone's on this AI arms race. Uh, the question remains, though, mate. Uh, when the dust settles, is this dot-com mania? Is the AI boom real? Is NVIDIA going to be able to sustain this level of sales and profitability? Because there's a... <laughs> This is an 80, PE of 89 times. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's investor, <laughs> if that's going to be your PE of 25, starts so have to triple again. Sorry, mm-hmm. earnings have to triple again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. going on here. Is it is it too good to be true or is this the, the brave new world? Yeah. Look, there's a lot going on. Um, the first thing to say is, and we all, you'll, this is just true whenever uh, you're looking at things as an investor, there is the investment is different from the asset itself. Yes, yes. Because right. the, 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 the difference being is, well, what I pay for it. You know, if you give me NVIDIA for a dollar any day of the week, right? Uh, even if I had all the money in the world, you want to offer me, I don't know, 10 trillion, would make 10 trillion for NVIDIA? No, no, it's, it's crazy. Um, so, so logically there is that point between the two extremes where it's just like, it doesn't make sense. I think NVIDIA is an incredible company. It is, it is brilliant. I think its sales are going, well, I don't think, its sales are going through the roof. There's an incredibly strong tailwind there. I think it'll last. So all of the things that people are using to support the price are kind of right. I mean, you see this with any bubble, and I'm old enough to have sort of lived through a few, that the, there is always a nugget of truth to it. And it's hard to argue that – you can look at all the Magnificent Seven, so they're called, which are basically yes. the seven stocks that are holding up the entire US market in terms of, of where it is because of their dominance and size within the index. Um, they're all trading on eye-watering premiums. So why is that? Well, one, they're, they're actually doing very well. But mm. there's other things at play here. I think, two – there is that there's that more macro sort of Wall Street sort of angle of well interest rates are going lower mm. and Tina there is no alternative mm. you know is it these, there is only one Nvidia there is only one Apple there is only one Netflix and and they are scarce assets in in a world again to our full circle a wash a wash <laughs> with right. cash at the moment That's so right. so money will always seek out scarcity and it will also always seek out quality so it it can be true mm. that these are great companies. And in fact, are overpriced, but can still end up being a reasonable store of value over the next five to 10 years because is NVIDIA going to be around? That's probably. Are they going to be earning more? Yeah. Can we argue about what the PE might be like on a more normalized basis in 10 years' time? Yeah. Mm. Does that make the returns not as good as maybe I was expecting? Yes, absolutely. You probably won't do that that well out of it. But I can see the, I can actually see the argument as crazy as it is. And I'm certainly not going near it. It's the same <laughs> argument I've made for Woolies in, in previous episodes, right? Yeah, Great yeah. business. Right. Yeah, it's just, exactly. gosh, it's expensive. But, but it, it's expensive to me because I'm, I'm uh, hubristic enough to think that I, or I want sort of like a 10% sort of average return. That's what I'm sort of targeting, right? Um, which is the long-term market average. So why am I trying to get less than that? It doesn't make sense to me. But then I've, I've learned to put on another hat, which is, which is the hat of the person who goes, yeah, I get all of that, but I just, I got to park my money somewhere, right? Mm. And and I feel as though I'd much rather be in something that is super, super high quality. Even if in it, it, you know, I look back in a decade and I go, oh, I average six or seven percent. You know, it's it's not a bad, it's not necessarily a, a bad outcome. And if I can rationalize that to myself by saying, well, actually, sales are going to stay strong and growing, earth, earnings are going to grow much more than everyone thinks. Then you know it's it's very it's very easy for these things to persist. But my my bottom line is, if you're someone who is looking at this, just understand that 
again, the trade-off that you're making here. Uh, is it a great company? Yes. Are you? Has it like gone up an insane amount in recent times? Yes. Can you extrapolate and reasonably assume that rate of growth to persist over any meaningful period of time? Well, almost mathematically, no. So that's cool. So just just lower your expectation, your return expectations if you're getting in at this point would be my, my two cents. Hmm. I like it, Matt. I think that's right. I, um, I wrote during the week about Microsoft, which hit $52 in 1999, pre.com oh, crash. Yes. Never, didn't get back there for 15 years. Yes. By the way, it's now going to 200, 400, a lot. Um, oh, it's been a great investment over the period. It was just right, an incredibly right. terrible investment for the first half of it. Correct. And so you've got to be a little bit mindful of that. Now, look, you probably, you know, you gained most of that in two years. If you bought it three years earlier, and had, yeah, you're probably fine if you didn't realize the share price spiked and then fell again. Um, Microsoft, great, great company, done really well. Uh, was it right to buy it 99 at 52 bucks a share? Probably not. I don't think that was a smart idea. Am I saying that's NVIDIA? No. Am I saying it's not NVIDIA? No. <laughs> too, yeah, but that's too it's such a good point saying, though, yeah. right? So that if you let's get in our time machine, we'll go back to 2000. We'll speak to a Microsoft bull. They yeah. will say it owns the, the, the PC space. It owns the, yes. the, uh, the operating system space. Right? It yeah, has got exactly. massive <laughs> moats. I mean, there's antitrust lawsuits being filed against yep. it, for goodness yep. sakes. Yep. Like this is this thing is a monster and it's only getting bigger. And it, over the next decade or two, it is going to grow like the clappers. And guess what? Absolute, that happened. That happened. Like what people said at that time came true. Or well, the bulls, what the bulls said at that time came true. Their mistake was is they paid incredible eye-watering premiums yes, for exactly. that exposure. My, so, so even though they were ultimately justified, not just in what the business did, but their returns ultimately justified mm. it, it was a lot of uh, mediocrity. And I, I, I feel as though, that's not to say it can't go up 30% tomorrow, but I feel as if you're buying some of these undoubtedly high-quality stocks today, have that, have that in the front of your mind as a very live possibility that you may just see. If you've got a 20-year horizon, then fill your boots. If you, mm. if you don't, just be prepared for the Microsoft phenomenon. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Mate, that'll do it, I reckon, for today. We've got some great questions for Sunday. I'm going to suspect you'll be back in time for them. Will, will I see you on Sunday? 100%. Yes, I know some of the questions too, so I'm definitely going to be- do you? Yeah. Well, you mentioned before the two, two of my favorite topics. So, oh, not uh, that one. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. I might have that one as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, that'll do us for today. Until Sunday, enjoy the first couple of days of your weekend at Full On. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.